In this episode of Two Eyed Seeing, we're going to be talking about body image and what it means for most of us to actually reach body acceptance. Hello, Sago, and welcome. You're listening to Two Eyed Seeing, bridging the Western and Indigenous understanding of health, healing, and life. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Connors, naturopathic doctor and birth doula and knowledge seeker of Mohawk and European ancestry. Each week, I will be bringing you information about health and wellness from both perspectives so we can learn and grow together as we journey through life on this place we call Earth and Turtle Island. Hello, hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Two-Eyed Seeing. As I mentioned in the intro, we are going to be talking a lot about body image and body acceptance today for a couple different reasons. Um, One would be that uh, some of you may know and some of you may not know, uh, I happen to work with a co-author project uh, called Body Bliss, The Journey to Body Acceptance this past year. And there was a group of women authors, and that book is officially out and published and is going to be up for sale on Amazon starting on June 8th. So that's part of the reason why we're talking about uh, body image and body acceptance today. But it's also because it is such a huge issue and we're still we're still dealing with it. It's you know, we if for any of you who have been with me for a little while listening to the podcast for a little while, you may have heard the episode I did on BMI, which we'll link up in the show notes. Um, so I won't go too too in depth specifically on BMI today because there is an entire episode specifically about BMI, but we will touch on it a little bit. What I actually wanted to touch on was some of the other concepts that we didn't necessarily get a chance to really touch on more largely in, in terms of that, because um, it's, it is, it's a big thing for, for almost all of us. Um, there's really very, very few, if any, people that are not touched by this, either directly or indirectly. And definitely a bigger issue for women and those who identify as women, but we're also seeing issues for uh, men and for boys in terms of body dysmorphia as well. And so there's lots of stigma, lots of judgment, lots of different thoughts around this. And it's still being confused in a lot of ways as well, which is what we're going to we're going to touch on a little bit of that as well. And um, I'm actually going to read a little excerpt from my chapter in the book because how the book is set up is that each of the authors wrote their own story. So each chapter in the book uh, of Body Bliss is a different person's perspective. Um, So it's something I'm very, very passionate about. Part of the reason why I decided to join on this co-author project. And obviously it's an issue I I feel very strongly about as um, someone who has grown up in a larger body for most of my life and my own struggles to journey towards body acceptance. And then also seeing so many others go through very similar struggles, both in practice in the women that I work with um, and and some men, but again, proportionally and just how society treats it, it tends to be a bigger issue for women. 
not forgetting about you guys, not forgetting about you men, um, or anyone who identifies as male. Um, it's, it's, there's a lot there and it, with it be up for sale on Amazon starting on June 8th. So that's part of the reason why we're talking about uh, body image and body acceptance today. But it's also because it is such a huge issue and we're still we're still dealing with it. It's you know, we if for any of you who have been with me for a little while listening to the podcast for a little while, you may have heard the episode I did on BMI which we'll link up in the show notes. Um, so I won't go too, too in-depth specifically on BMI today because there is an entire episode specifically about BMI, but we will touch on it a little bit. What I actually wanted to touch on was some of the other concepts that we didn't necessarily get a chance to really touch on more largely in, in terms of that because um, it's, it is, it's a big thing for, for almost all of us. Um, there's really very, very few, if any, people that are not touched by this, either directly or indirectly. And definitely a bigger issue for women and those who identify as women, but we're also seeing issues for uh, men and for boys in terms of body dysmorphia as well. And so there's lots of stigma, lots of judgment, lots of different thoughts around this and it's still being confused in a lot of ways as well which is what we're going to we're going to touch on a little bit of that as well and um, I'm actually going to read a little excerpt from my chapter in the book because how the book is set up is that each of the authors wrote their own story so each chapter in the book uh, of Body Bliss is a different person's perspective. Um, so it's something I'm very, very passionate about. Part of the reason why I decided to join on this co-author project. And obviously it's an issue I, I feel very strongly about as um, someone who has grown up in a larger body for most of my life and my own struggles to journey towards body acceptance. And then also seeing so many others go through very similar struggles, both in practice in the women that I work with um, and, and some men, but again, proportionally and just how society treats it, it tends to be a bigger issue for women. Not forgetting about you guys, not forgetting about you men um, or anyone who identifies as male. Um, it's, it's, there's a lot there. And it, with it being June, we're also in Pride Month, right? Um, so there's a lot to be said in terms of body image and body dysmorphia in the LGBTQ community as well um, for our two-spirit uh, peoples and uh, especially for those, uh, I, I only think of this specifically because I'm thinking of a couple different patients in my head right now, uh, the amount of body dysmorphia that's created with um, an individual who identifies as trans. Uh, you know, you feel like you're, you're in the wrong body right? That's a huge amount of um, things going on in our head if that's something that we're dealing with. So when we think about how big and complex this issue becomes, we can see how it really does touch on each of us and affect us each in, in different ways, right? Whether we're um, larger bodied or, or what uh, society would call fat, um, 
or we're thin uh, bodied and we're dealing with things like bulimia and anorexia because we still have that image in our head that we're not the right size, that we're not conforming to society's definition of what is ideal beauty and what is acceptable uh, from a societal standpoint. And realistically, this is all completely constructed as well. And it's even changed over time as well. Um, you know, there's all kinds of different books and resources and podcasts and all kinds of things out there in terms of body image and, and body acceptance, like the book I just helped to write. Um, but there's so many other options out there besides that as well. Um, and it's an important conversation that we need to be having more openly so that we can start to understand that it's not something inherently wrong with us as individuals. What's wrong is this ridiculous, unattainable, unreasonable concept that each person should fit into this very, very narrow definition of what is beautiful. What is a beautiful body? Um, often when I talk to um, groups, like uh, we, we had Grandmother Renee on recently and in, in Moon Lodge just recently, we were talking a little bit about body image and, and whether we, we love our bodies and, and work towards um, body acceptance on a regular basis. And one of the things that I touched on was the, the Dove campaign that ran a number of years ago where they had the, the commercial, I believe it's still on YouTube, I should go and see if I can find it, but um, what it was was they showed a model getting prepared for her photo shoot and what they, they showed the entire thing from start to finish, so going through makeup, Photoshop, um, the, the actual photo shooting, and then also taking the finished photo and they put it in Photoshop for, for retouching and refinishing and then showing the final product on a billboard. And the amount that they augmented and changed between makeup, lighting, and how they shot the image with a camera, and then the photo finishing touching up with the computer at the end, it wasn't even the same person anymore. So when we look at images online, on magazines, uh, covers, on TV, on all these different, on social media, um, how many of us, you know, you play around with filters on, on Instagram and social media um, and you look completely different, right? There's all these different things you can do to augment the photo. So what we're seeing and being exposed to isn't reality but we're judging ourselves and judging how we look in comparison to this other person who by the time that photo is actually presented to you isn't actually even a real living breathing person really because the reality of it has been augmented so much that it barely if at all resembles the person that was the original model for that image. So when we think of it from that perspective, it, it becomes kind of a, an exercise of driving ourselves to insanity when you think about it in terms of comparing ourselves and comparing um, others 
and judging ourselves and judging others and it becomes a vicious cycle and then of course something that's considered culturally acceptable because it's given the guise of oh well it's because I care about you and your health is fat shaming so making people feel badly that they are not conforming to a very very narrow standard of what is considered acceptable and healthy in terms of a body size and one of the things that I'm really passionate about talking about is that health is not a size because that's one of the biggest things that the diet industry the weight loss industry um, the you know how how society has kind of set everything up they want us to believe that you must be a certain weight when you step on the scale you must be a certain size in terms of your proportions and and what clothing sizes you fit into because you're supposed to fit into the clothes um the clothes aren't supposed to fit you um that's something i really strongly disagree with um that whole concept that we have to make ourselves tiny in order to fit clothes if they don't actually realistically fit us um but this is this is something that's been perpetuated and continues to be perpetuated. And BMI is a big piece of that, right? Is this thought that you have to be a certain size and well, it's, oh, if you're overweight or obese based on BMI, then your health is in trouble. But a lot of that isn't actually accurate, but it's been told that way so many times that we believe it. There's actually plenty of research to show that being a certain size isn't as closely correlated with how healthy you are as it is those other measures of health, like your cardiovascular health, your O2 saturation within your blood, your glucose levels, your hemoglobin A1C levels, your insulin levels. There's all these other things that we can look at from a lab perspective in terms of actually taking your blood and measuring it and then of course measuring your blood pressure um you know there's all these other pieces and then it's also even if we're going to talk about measurements let's take realistic measurements into account let's actually look at hip to waist ratio and focus more on hip to waist ratio than just bmi because remember bmi is simply your height to weight comparison so that means someone who is a bodybuilder who's six foot tall and, you know, 290, 300, whatever pounds, they're going to be considered overweight obese, just looking at them from a BMI perspective, but their body fat percentage because of how athletic they are and how hard they train is going to be ridiculously low and they're strong, right? They're mostly muscle. So that's the BMI is not taking into account the muscle mass, the fat percentage. There's all these other things that BMI does not take into account. And as I said, I'm not going to get too much into BMI. You can go and listen to the entire BMI episode if you really want to understand the history, because it's a really distorted history when you look at it, especially for those of us who aren't white men. If you listen to the BMI episode, I explain exactly how that was the model initially. And so those of us who aren't white men, which is a large percentage of the population, BMI doesn't really apply to us. 
And yet we're using it in our doctor's offices, in our hospitals all the time to make medical decisions. Whether you qualify for surgery, whether you're considered um, overweight and obese, these are all the things that factor in there when there's so many other things that should be considered from a health perspective. And what the research actually shows us is for those who are maintaining, and this is again, this is assuming healthy otherwise. So a lot of other indicators of health, you're, you're moving your body more often than not, you're eating a healthy diet. These are the things I'm talking about when I say healthy otherwise. So when we have an individual who may be considered from a BMI perspective, overweight or moderately obese, what they actually show, and especially if they maintain their weight over time, so it's fairly consistent and it's not fluctuating to a large degree in terms of up or down, um, they are actually at less risk of health certain health concerns than individuals who are chronically significantly underweight um, or those who are really, really extremely, like we're talking like, um, just trying to think of a number here, maybe like 500, 600 plus pounds. Um, that's, that's kind of getting into a whole nother area in terms of unhealthy for the weight because the, the body has to work a lot harder to be able to maintain that, right? The, the heart, um, the cardiovascular system, there's a lot of things that have to work a lot harder if we're talking about a very, very, very large body size. Um, not to mention the fact that usually when we're getting up to those weights, we're having a lot of trouble uh, moving, right? We can't move freely. So that's another whole another area of conversation. But what I'm talking about when I say that is that it's a generally healthy individual and it's when they aren't fluctuating to a large degree that we actually see better health outcomes. But that's the conversation that's not being had right now. That's the stuff we're not talking about. And that's part of the reason why I feel so passionate about it. And also part of the reason why I felt so strongly about being a part of the Body Bliss uh, book project in terms of being, I've always wanted to be an author. That's something that's been on my list for a long, 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 long time because I've been a book fanatic my entire life. I love books. Um, I'm all about books. I love reading. Uh, it's probably part of the reason why I went to school for so long. But uh, the other thing too is this was, this was a dream of mine for a long time. So to find a project that I was really excited about, really passionate about, um, this is one of those other topics that I'm so passionate about in addition to women's health, uh, pediatrics, pregnancy, uh, all the other areas that I really like to work with, our Indigenous communities. These are all kind of the areas that I feel really passionate about and I love to talk about and generally speaking, and hey, this is my podcast, so I get to speak on it as much as I like, but I, if you get me talking, I generally will not shut up about it. I will just talk about it. <laughs> um, but another, um, actually a, another thing I wanted to just to highlight this, to show how prevalent this is and how big of an issue it is, is I was listening to, um, an audible book. Uh, so it's called Burnout by Amelia and Emily Nagoski. And there's a whole section in that book where they talk about, they call it the bikini industry complex, I think is what they call it in the book. Um, and yeah, the B, yeah, BIC for short is what they refer to it as in the book. And they dedicate an entire section in the book to talking about this, which is the 
industry as a whole and various studies, um, statistics and everything like that about how we have been taught from the time we're very young to be um, a certain way, to think that we're supposed to be a certain way. And it starts from the time that we're exposed to gendered toys. So one of the examples they talk about in the book is young girls who are exposed to dolls of a certain size, especially if the dolls are not of a realistic human standard, that starts to affect their perception of what they're supposed to look like from the time that they're very, very little. And we're starting to see girls as young as six years old having body image issues. They're starting to perceive themselves as too too thin or too fat or whatever the case may be and that they should maybe potentially start to go on a diet and so we're seeing 9 10 12 year olds often in around 9 and 10 starting to try and diet because they don't like the way they look and they keep getting messages that they're supposed to look like this unrealistic standard um, another example from that same book that was really interesting to me was the introduction of TV to the island of, I believe it was Fiji. And so they introduced TV for the first time in, I believe it was 94 or 1995. And within a year of having TV on the island, the incidences of uh, body image issues in terms of like, um, anorexia, bulimia, eating disorders, that kind of thing skyrocketed. So they went from having minimal issues with it, like low, 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 low percentages of it, to almost doubling within, I want to say it was a year. Anyway, um, point being, absence of TV, introduction of TV, we saw a huge increase in the number of girls that were reporting having body image issues, and then also correlating to higher degrees of eating disorders and eating issues. So that's a huge potential example of how influenced we are by the various images that we're exposed to and what society is continuously presenting to us over and over and over again. So those are the things I want you to think about and talk about with your friends, with your, um, with your children, with your, you know, the, especially the other women in your life. But I would say, you know, anyone in your life, like we should be having these conversations because when we can have a conversation about it is when society starts to change. Because even the ideals of beauty have changed over time. If you look at it from a historical context, it used to be the case that women who were larger bodied were considered beautiful because at that time, because there was a bigger issue with food scarcity and food, um, being able to access food easily. If a woman was plumper and larger, that meant that she was well taken care of and that her husband could provide for her. Um, so it was considered very much the height of beauty to have more, more, um, more of a larger body, to have a little bit more of a plump um, appearance to your body. And then um, later on, it became something of uh, more of the ideal beauty standard as we move into more of the 1800s and, and 1900s to have this very slim, slim waist and this large 
um, buttocks, right? So th that's where we had things like the, um, I'm blanking on the name of them right now, but the um, corsets, there we go. Um, so corsets, right? You would, you would pull the corsets to make your body conform to that hourglass shape. And then moving into the 1950s, 1940s and 1950s, we start to see the appearance of this image of this very dainty, very fragile, very petite looking housewife. And it was considered, again, the, the societal norm changed where it's like, oh, she's, she doesn't have to be strong. She doesn't have to be, um, you know, able to take care of herself. She doesn't need to have the ability to be strong because her husband takes care of her. Um, the fact that she's this dainty, weak little thing um, that almost looks like a China doll in terms of that fragility, then that was considered now the height of um, fashion and beauty and the, the new beauty standard, right? It's changed over time. And the reason I highlight that is so that you can see that, again, the beauty standard changes based on the messaging that is being given out by society. And it does not perfectly correlate with health. So if we can start to shift that understanding to say, you know, if we're active, if we're eating a healthy, nutritious diet, if we're taking care of our mental health, we're doing stress management, there's all these other things that far go beyond what your size is because size does not dictate your health 100%. It's a factor. It's not the be all and end all. So to use this, this um, excuse, in my opinion, that you have to be a certain size in order to be healthy is ridiculous. Um, and I think we need to really move away from that to really start to move forward in terms of progressing um, and, and benefiting us as a whole, but also for the sake of our health, because women lose far more sleep, time, effort, and life when there's this hyper-focus on this unattainable, ridiculously narrow definition of what a beautiful body is. We are literally losing our girls, we're losing our women, we're losing people because of this distorted image, right? Because there is the, um, the exacerbation of eating disorders, right? That's, well, that's one of the biggest pieces. Um, but then even beyond that, like I was saying, this whole uh, propensity of dieting and diet culture and yo-yo dieting, so constantly going up and down and up and down in terms of weight and the drastic things that we're willing to do in order to quote-unquote lose weight is actually far more dangerous and far more detrimental to our health than maintaining a certain weight and being healthy within that weight. So even if it isn't, you know, that really, really narrow definition of what's supposed to be, um, you know, the, the beautiful standard, that's actually, you know, being, you know, a little bit bigger, but you're generally healthy otherwise, that's actually probably far better for you. So with that, I just wanted to kind of uh, spend a little bit of time. I'm just going to read a little bit from Body Bliss. Um, from my chapter so you can hear a little bit of it and as I said it's going to be on Amazon available on Amazon for order starting on June 8th and if you happen to be 
in the Kitchener-Waterloo-Cambridge area in Ontario, then you can also join us in person for a book launch party on June 10th, which is really exciting because we haven't been able to do anything like this in the last two years. So this is, um, this is my chapter in the book, and I'm just going to read the first little bit, um, and I, I titled it, This Is Not Your Armor. Growing up, I was a very shy, quiet, and introverted kid. I wanted nothing more than to be the proverbial wallflower, blending into the background where no one would see me. Not being seen seemed like the safest place for me at the time. I was also bullied from a very young age, and my bullies were boys. Both of them started out as friends, but then something caused that to change into teasing and then full-on verbal and physical abuse over time. To give you an idea of the extent of it, my dad was concerned enough that he felt it was a good idea for my siblings and I to take karate lessons for a while so we had basic self-defense skills. The lesson I took from that bullying was that I needed to be as invisible as possible and then maybe I would be safe. I know what you're thinking. Why didn't I talk to a teacher or my parents? Well, I did, and the outcome of that was the bullying became worse. Again, the lesson I took from that was I needed to keep these things to myself and hope I could make myself as invisible as I possibly could. Even at home, I didn't feel completely safe. My sister and I didn't really get along growing up, and she would tease me and push my buttons a lot. When I tried to mention it to my parents, I was told I was too sensitive and to grow a thicker skin. I didn't learn this until I was older, but I'm an empath, and that means I feel very deeply both my own emotions as well as picking up on the emotions of others around me. This has served me well in my chosen career as a naturopathic doctor and birth doula, but as a kid growing up, it often felt like hell on earth. So that's just the very beginning of my chapter in Body Bliss. So if this is something that you feel that you need some support on, that you need to hear stories that are like yours or completely different than yours. It's essentially an entire collection of women's stories. Sorry, guys, it's not that you're not important too, but it is a it is a book written completely by women. And each story is different. There is some stories in there that touch more, even more in depth than I do on abuse and things like that. And each of the authors has made that note at the beginning of their chapter so that you, you know that if that's triggering for you. But it's, it's very honest, very raw, very wonderful stories. And we need more books like this out there uh, for us and, and for our children. Because if we don't start to have these conversations and to say, how can we change this? How can we make this better? They're going to end up being in the same position that we are now as women in our 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s, right? Uh, almost all of us ha probably have some story of not liking some part of our body, and that shouldn't be the way that it is for all, for all of us. That shouldn't be the norm is what I'm getting at when I say that. Um, it should be that we're learning and teaching each other to work towards loving our bodies as much as we can and that's never going to be a perfect thing we're not always going to love 
every single thing about our bodies, but we can work towards accepting our bodies and loving our bodies in so much as we care about them and we're grateful for them for carrying us through this life. Creator give us this beautiful gift of a physical body to inhabit while we're here in, on our, in our journey, on our time on Mother Earth, right? This was a gift that was given to us. And when we're born, we're all told that we're beautiful. We're all told how wonderful we are. No one says, oh my goodness, that baby is too fat. No one says, oh my goodness, like th there's, there's all these things that we say to ourselves that we think are acceptable to say to others that we would never say to a baby. So where do we shift from being this wonderful gift when we're born to being unacceptable and ugly and letting ourselves go and, and shaming ourselves and each other for how we appear. Because that's just one facet of who we are. Realistically, we're spiritual beings having a physical experience. And Creator loves each and every one of us for who we are. We're all unique. We're all different. We wouldn't all want to look identical to each other. There would be no variety. There'd be no differences. There'd be nothing to celebrate in that aspect of ourselves. So I, with that, I will, I will wrap up today's episode with encouraging you uh, to really even just start with asking yourself, what is one thing that I can look at myself and say, I accept you? And if you feel that you can step to that next step and say, I love this part about myself. Maybe it's you really love the color of your eyes or you really love your hair or you really love um, your arms or your legs. You know, just looking at yourself and starting by picking out one thing that you can at least say, I'm grateful to you. I love you for this and work on building on that. And like I said, it's the point here is not to say that we'll be 100% in love with our bodies, with ourselves all the time. We can still accept our bodies as they are and also want to change something about it in terms of moving towards what we think would be a good, healthy version of ourselves. Assuming that that vision of how we think of ourselves as being you know, that healthy ideal is a healthy ideal, right? Because as I mentioned before, um, generally those who are dealing with more significant eating disorders like anorexia and bulimia, they have a distorted image of what they're supposed to look like in their head. So we have these women, especially with anorexia, they're so, so, so tiny, like they can barely manage to stand sometimes because of how long they've been in this cycle and they still look in the mirror and see themselves as undesirable um, as as not the ideal body that they would like to see so that's that's a different conversation but what I'm talking about is when we have the healthy ideal of reaching what that body can look like and we can hold both at the same time we can hold the desire to change or um, you know, work towards a certain, you know, maybe it's a certain size that we would like to achieve. Again, like we've been talking about the whole 
rest of this podcast within reason and we can also accept our bodies as they are because they are going to change and look different in different seasons of life. It's not always going to be the same and that's even part of it too is to accept our bodies and 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 work towards loving them no matter what season we're in because our bodies are not going to look the same year to year decade to decade um, season of life to season of life and it's not meant to it's not meant to be static all the time but there's a difference between finding that balance between loving and accepting our bodies and working towards a certain ideal that we decide for ourselves within again those those caveats of being a healthy desire to change so I hope that some of this helps you in your own journey towards body acceptance and as always I love to hear from you guys if there's more that you'd like to hear about this topic about other topics I'm always happy to hear from you and and get ideas from you in terms of which direction you'd like to see the podcast go. And as I mentioned before, if you're interested in the book in Body Bliss, uh, it will be up and available on Amazon starting on June 8th. So with that, I hope you all have a wonderful day. Take care of each other. Take care of yourselves and start looking at yourself maybe just a little differently today in terms of how you can move towards accepting your body just a little bit more. All right, so take care. Bama Pete. Thank you, Nyawa, for listening to Two-Eyed Seeing. Leave me a comment, and if you feel called to, please leave a review in iTunes and subscribe to this podcast. If you have questions about the episode or suggestions for upcoming podcasts, please reach out to me at www.sarahconnorsnd.com.